My name is Aureli, I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, before I start, I want to take a moment to pray. Pray for the victims of the earthquake. Would you join me in prayer? For Jesus, I just ask that your power, your Holy Spirit, will be the ones, will be with the ones that they are struggling right now. Father, we ask that medical services, money, running water, water, food, help will be with them, Lord. Help them as they struggle right now. We pray for the missionaries that the vineyard has right there from Canada. We pray that your power will be with them. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm going to continue with the series that Rob started a couple of weeks ago. And um, he talked about the price of future hope. Then Jeff came and he said that the price of the heart transformation. And today I'm going to talk about the price of inner freedom. I was in Philadelphia with my family this past week, and my heart is just full after I saw the historic sites. I've never been there before, and it was just unbelievable to see uh, all the history that comes to this nation. I am proud to be an American. Yes, I am a Mexican citizen, yes. But my heart is full with three words. We, the people. I am so thankful for this nation that gave me the opportunity to raise my, my kids in freedom. And I am thankful for the lives of those who live and die for the freedom of speech, religion, and the pursuit of happiness. It was unbelievable to be there and see all that. And all that is the price of outer freedom, the way we live our lives every day. But today, we are going to talk about the price of inner freedom. And let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just ask that you will speak to us, through me this morning. Show us, Lord, what do you have for us today? It's in your name I pray. Amen. So what is the definition of inner freedom? I asked my son, Alan, who is 16, and he said, not to have fear. I asked Jeff, I won't tell you his age, and he said, um, to have peace. And for me, I think means the ability to choose your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, to keep the ones you want and to project the ones you don't want. And that's your freedom within you to do that. In the morning, I was sharing the service uh, class with the teachers, and Mark said, when I serve others, it gives me freedom. So I'm glad he's there teaching right now. He's free. <laughs> Jeff preached about how the transformation of our heart 
occurs when Jesus comes into the picture. He said that because Jesus is alive, our hearts can change. He said that because Jesus is alive, we can have freedom. Because the efforts that we do within ourselves are not effective. If Jesus comes into the picture, then we can be free. Our hearts can change. Free from addictions, from fear, and from many other things that keep us prisoners. Believing is seen in the kingdom of God. Eyes of faith must lead to the eyes of sight. I remember preaching um, about Thomas, his name Doubting Thomas, remember? I'm not going to talk about him, I already did. But he said, if I don't see, I won't believe. We say that to people many times, that they're struggling. If I don't see the changes in your life, I just don't believe you change. But believing is seen in the kingdom of God. Eyes of faith must lead to the eyes of sight. We need to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to tell you a story. This story, a part of the story of a friend of mine. And I'm going to get my cleanest just in case. Her name is Nirma. Nirma, many of you know her. Uh, I met Nirma eight years ago here at church. Uh, Nirma and Kurt got married many years ago. And they decided first thing in their marriage, that they were going to have a large family. That was their goal. And she became pregnant with baby Christina. She is 25 years old right now. Beautiful young woman. And she is on her way to the doctor one day. And she's driving. And as she's driving, she looks behind and she looks for Christina, who is in the back in her car seat. And she thinks she is the most beautiful baby on earth. Of course, it's her daughter. And a voice comes to her spirit, her head, her mind, whatever you want to call it, and tells her, Nirma, I love what God calls us by name. Nirma, would you love this baby in your womb as much as you love Christina in the back if it's not as pretty as she is? Christina, uh, uh, Nirma shook, shook her head and said, of course I would, Lord. That day, Nirma found out that CJ, who is 23 years old, had microcephaly. Microcephaly is a condition that doesn't allow the head to grow as big as it should be. The brain is not fully developed. This condition is found in patients with cerebral palsy. CJ is in a wheelchair. He cannot walk. He has a feeding tube right here in his stomach. He cannot talk. He wears diapers. He has seizures, many of them. But that didn't stop the Rafis to go ahead and have their big family dream. Actually, she became pregnant right away. Cisco is 22 years old. Carolina, she 
is 18. Cassie is 15 years old. Mirma is the testimony of 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. That says, always be joyful. Boy, the dust lady has a big smile like this big. Never stop praying. She prays all the time for everyone and for everything. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belongs to Christ Jesus. She says that sometimes CJ is the only normal kid in the house. <laughs> her life has not been easy, neither for her, for her husband, or for her children. But believing is seen in the kingdom of God. Eyes of faith must lead to the eyes of sight. And I'm going to tell you something that penetrated my soul and my heart that she told me. Her and I pray every week for the last six weeks. She's my accountability partner. And I wait for that phone call on Wednesday mornings like nothing else. We chat, we talk, we drink coffee, we cry, we pray together. And one day she said something to me that she said this. I cannot wait to see CJ running, walking, eating a regular meal, talking to me when he is healed finally in heaven. Because my eyes are going to see the promises of God one day. Boy, is that faith. I just want to have a little bit of that. Eyes of faith must lead to the eyes of sight. I think there is a gap between what we believe and our actions. I think we need to take a leap of faith. We need to cross the bridge. We need to say yes. We need to walk by faith and not by sight. She can see him running and walking and talking and eating. Right now, not later. I'm going to read a story from the Bible, my favorite book. It is a story of a woman, a nameless woman. I just love name, nameless people in the Bible. I don't know about you, but I do. Like the Good Samaritan. Everybody knows that, even if you're not a Christian. It's the most well-known story in the whole world. What about the woman of the well? She's pretty cool, huh? The shepherd, the wise man. But today I'm going to take you into the journey of a life of a woman, nameless woman. Her story is part of a larger story. Jesus is on his way to heal a little daughter to the house of a synagogue leader. So why don't you go with me, please, to Mark chapter 5. You can pick your device. You can get Bibles that they're around. You can take it home if you want, if you don't have one. And I'm going to read from the NLT, Mark 5, 21 to 34. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake. 
where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. If I just touch his robe, I will be healed. If I just touch his robe, I will be healed. If I just touch his robe, I will be healed. That's why she told herself, this nameless woman, as she walked by, full by nothing, by faith. She only had her faith. According to the law of Moses, unclean people, herself, were not allowed to touch anyone. Just stop right there and think about it. For 12 years, she was not able to touch anyone. No one was able to touch her, to give her a hug, to say hi to her. 12 years of that. Can you imagine touching the Son of God? But desperate people do desperate things. Amen? For 12 years, she had nothing but blood coming out of her body, making her physically sick and socially unacceptable. We only know that she spent all the money that she had trying to get better. But actually, she got worse. And sometimes we are just like her. We have a medical condition a stubborn illness that keeps coming back and back and back. And it's frustrating, isn't it? Sometimes it's embarrassing to keep going to the doctor again and again and again, to come home with a long prescription and no hope. Very expensive on the top of it. The only healthy thing she had 
was her faith. Faith that expected a miracle. Faith that gave her the strength to walk in her conditions. Let me tell you something. My research says 30 miles. Commentary said 30 miles she walked in her condition. 12 years of bleeding. From here to Boston. Go ahead. Right away. With nothing but her faith and her willingness to get better. The commentary said that she was from a different town because people did not object that she was pressing and pushing and touching people. So they didn't know her. So she walked just with her faith and with her willingness to get better. And after 30 miles and 12 years, I don't know about you, but I have thrown myself to Jesus in front right there. Hello, I'm here. Can you heal me, please? Help me. But she didn't. She went very quietly, very quietly behind everyone and comes and just touches immediately, like this. She was healed without a word, without a touch from Jesus. Immediately. I love the way that Mark tells this story. Immediately, he says. He uses right away. In a second, immediately, in his gospel, a lot. Actually, more than 40 times is the way he talks. And that tells us something, how Jesus loves. That tells us how Jesus saves. There is no tardiness in Jesus. He is right on time, again and again and again, all the time. Immediately, her whole body was healed. She was made whole only by believing that she could be healed again and daring to act on that. Remember that leap that we have of faith that we need to cross. This proved the power of Christ, of course, but also something about the law, about Jesus and the law. In the Old Testament, the presence of, presence of God was in the temple. In the New Testament, the presence of God is in the person of Jesus Christ. Just like John 1.14 says, so the word became flesh and lived among us. So guess what? This lady, our friend with no name, didn't make Jesus unclean. Totally the opposite. He made her clean. He was able to restore her condition but there is something so cool about this story as well. She was not the only one that noticed that. He did. He is like, oh, hello, excuse me. Who touched my robe? The disciples were like, really, Lord? Look at all this crowd. Are you going to ask right now who touched you? Sometimes we are like the disciples. We ask Jesus that not so very smart question. <laughs> from time to time. But he knew. He knew that healing powers came out of him. And he stopped what he was doing and he looked around because he knows when he had touched you and we you have come into an encounter with him, it doesn't matter how busy he is. He's going to stop. You are not interrupting him. 
We cannot stop and steal a miracle from Jesus. She didn't steal a miracle like, okay, I did it. Nobody noticed it. He did. And he's looking for her. Not to accuse her, but to affirm her. Because her faith was crowned by her master. He comes and he says something that he only uses in that gospel account. He calls her daughter. Nobody else was called daughter. As disrespect that, that he had for her. And ask, who touched my robe? And the same faith that empowered that lady to touch him now gives her the strength to come to the front and says, I did. I did it. Can you imagine? She's risking everything. She's risking her life. She's risking maybe punishment. And she doesn't care. She comes and said, I did it. Sometimes I ask, are you a Christian? No, 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 no. We don't want to say anything. She said, I did it. And the scripture says that she fell in front of him into her knees. You know why? Because she knew she was in the presence of God. And she comes and she says, I did. And the Lord comes and says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. I have a cute little devotional, but one of my favorite authors, his name is Oswald Chambers, and in his book, My Almost for His Highest, he says this, January 1st, like start your year with the good one. He, talking about Jesus, asks us to be the almost for him, the greatest, the most extreme, and we start to debate. He then providentially produces a crisis where we have to decide for or against. That moment becomes a great crossroads in our life. Are we for him or are we against him? The moment of the crisis is coming. Are we for him or are we against him? So in their no other gospel, Jesus calls her daughter. She is part of the family of the Lord now. But also, there is something very cool about this. She's setting an example to others. And you're going to say, what are you talking about? What is simple if she's saying, I want you to go with me to Mark. 6, 5, I mean 56. Mark 6, 56. Wherever he went, talking about Jesus, in villages, cities, or the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. And all who touched him were healed. It became popular, huh? She's in. Let's go touch her. Jesus could have healed her in an instant and walk 
to his original destination, but he didn't. Only her and him would have known what happened. But he didn't want that. Because Jesus stopped what he was doing and acknowledged the results of this woman's faith. Because believing is seen in the kingdom of God. Eyes of faith must lead to the eyes of sight. John 8.36 says, If the Son sets you free, you are truly free. If the Son sets you free, you are truly free. So the price of inner freedom is to act in your beliefs. Just not believe on them. Act on them. How do we spell faith in the vineyard? R-I-S-K. Remember? Let me say it again. How do I, do we spell faith in the vineyard? R-I-S-K. We need to take a risk. We need to take a leap of faith and say, let's go. It is important to understand that things happen in us. I mean, that things happen to us so something can happen in us. Think about it. Something happened to you so something can change in you. I want you to remember this. God is not in a hurry. We are. The day we decide to be for him, can change our lives forever. God is able to bless us in a way to cause us to forget all the pain that came before and all the inconveniences. I'm going to ask you to watch this video. I'm going to come after. I'm going to talk about it. And I'm going to close after. It's a five-minute video, so here we go. When Jake was a year old, he was diagnosed with retinoblastoma, cancerous tumors in both eyes. Doctors removed his left eye, but with chemotherapy and radiation, were able to save his right. That right eye has shown him his world. The faces of his parents, his twin sister Emma, and the things he loves most. Over his 12 years, the cancer came back eight times, and eight times Jake beat it. In September, Jake learned it had come back again, and this time treatment didn't work. Jake learned he would lose that eye too. I said, well, Jake, you know, how you doing, buddy? You okay? And he goes, he goes, yeah, mom. He goes, you know what? He goes, this is just going to be a new stage in my life. Just sad, like I won't be able to see them ever again. And just like we fought so hard and yet cancer wins. So, but then it's like, well, I'm going to experience something that no one else can experience. With more than a month before his surgery, Jake told his parents that what he wanted to see most one last time was another USC game. His wish reached Trojan head coach Pete Carroll. The first thing was, let's make sure he gets inside and sees everything he wants to see. And uh, you know, God bless him, he deserves every bit of it. Right when I met this kid, you know, I really felt a connection with him. In just a short time, the Trojans gave Jake a lifetime of memories. What images from all this will you take with you as you go into surgery and then coming out? 
I'm going to know what they're what they look like, like Blake long blonde hair, Chris real big and mustache and beard and everything. I'm gonna take in my parents, my friends. So when I'm when they're talking to me, I just will picture them in my head. Oh, that's my dad, oh that's my mom, that's my best friend Connor. It's just I wanna take in as much as I can. It's the night before surgery, and Jake wants to spend it with the Trojans. Everybody loves loves you, Jake. We can't wait for you to come back. As soon as you get back, come see us, okay? All right. You promise? Yep. Being at the practice and being with the guys and just, you know, it, there wasn't like this intensity of, of what we were confronting the next day. It just turned out to be a really sweet moment, and I'll never forget that sight in my mind, and Jake, Jake won't either. Hey, it's gonna be all right. All right. It was a tough morning. It wasn't the fear of being blind. It was more the fear of, all right, this is like my last minute to see, you know, last hours. That was a fear. I saw a light, like white kind of, it was like white light. And um, I heard my mom and dad talking to me, which comforted me. And I really didn't feel sorrow because it's already happened. I can move on. I can do whatever I want. You know, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I don't have to worry about that day coming. It's already happened. Six days after his surgery, Jake had a promise to keep. Hey, Jake, hey, Jake. And this time, it was the Trojans who, after losing to Stanford days earlier, drew inspiration from Jake. All right, guys, you, you lost. But you know what? We'll get him next year, and the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that. And the year after that. All right, so don't feel bad. We're gonna go clean those Bruins. Nice job, check it. At a young age, I learned that life will bring adversity and challenges. The biggest reason why I overcame, you know, and still have a positive attitude is because I have a strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And no matter what challenge we face, we're all going to be fearful. But what makes us different is how we face our challenge and how we face our fears. And that's in a positive attitude or a negative attitude. Are you going to let the situation beat you or are you going to beat the situation? And every time my cancer came back or I found out that I was going to have to go for some harsh treatment, I wasn't going to let the situation beat me. Even though the cancer did take my eyes, it didn't take my will to go on in life and be the best I can be. Today, Jake is 16 years old. He is a motivational speaker. He wants to be the first blind golfer on the PGA Tour. His dad puts the ball right there by the, what is that called? Thank you. And then he goes. He uh, scored a 78 last time. That's pretty cool, huh? 
they told me it is. <laughs> he wrote a book, Open Your Eyes. What an incredible testimony. A bleeding woman was restored and set an example for others. She was healed in a minute, in an instant. CJ, near my son, will be healed one day in heaven. And some of us are still going to hardship and not understanding why. But let's not take no for an answer. Let's keep on running the race with perseverance that she did, that Nirma is in our health family. And many of you are right now today. She believed Jesus and only Jesus could help her. I'm going to ask um, the worship team to come. And guess what? I'm going to let them sing the whole thing. And I want you to reflect and ask yourself a question. What am I doing to strengthen my faith when everything is falling? <laughs> 